0: the following program is sponsored by National Prayer Chapel. My Savior is near And for my relief Will surely appear My prayer let me wrestle and he will perform With Christ in the vessels A smile at the storm The dark be my way Since he is my guide Tis mine to obey And his to provide The cisterns be broken And creatures fed. surely prevail His love in time past forbids me to think you leave me at last in trouble to seek Bitter that comes. So
1: Charles Price published a book entitled Real Faith in 1940. This precious book deals with what was wrong in the church then as they dealt with a cold orthodoxy that was beginning to creep into the church. He was a leader in the Pentecostal movement. He swept by the power of the Holy Spirit thousands upon thousands of people into the kingdom of God. But he recognized that something was wrong. That faith was beginning to be seen as something intellectual. Something that one must work for. One must build up your affirmations for. That when And in that day, many healings were taking place. Sick people were being restored. Broken limbs, cripples, they were being restored. But much of the belief was that you had to believe that you were healed before it would happen. And if you just believed hard enough and long enough, then your affirmations would cause your healing. Today there is something desperately wrong also in the church. We're going to talk about that today in terms of the solution. For there is only really one solution. And that solution is only Jesus. Only Jesus. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you for joining me today. I pray you can stay for the whole hour that your heart will be warmed and quickened and that you will begin to see things you've never seen before and find your way, find your way to our precious Savior Jesus in a way you've never done it before. So I'm going to share some of the thoughts of Dr. Price and then I'm going to share the modern equivalent. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to this Pilgrim's Progress broadcast, would you quicken the hearts of every person who listens? Would you encourage and would you meet every person with a hungry heart for you, Jesus? Thank you, mighty God. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm Pastor Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. It is by prayer and the reading of Scripture that faith is built. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This precious pastor, Charles Price, writes, The postman had just been to my door. He left a letter that I want to share with with you It's the story of a woman who was crippled beyond any I've ever seen in the many years I've presented my Lord as the Savior of the soul and the healer of the body. When first I saw her, she begged piteously for prayer. She asked me to heal her. I could not, and I knew it. I might have gone through a series of commands and rebukes and pleadings, but I did not. I was just a disciple at the foot of the mountain, and I knew that we both needed our Lord to come down. I believe in Jesus and his power to raise the fallen. I believe his promises. I stand on his word. But as I looked into the face of this woman who had crawled on her hands for ten years and who was helpless from the waist down, My heart told me that I needed more than just to believe that she was healed. I needed the impartation of that faith which supersedes reason. I needed that spiritual quality of heart belief which no mental affirmations of mind could ever bring about. I knew that's what she needed too. So I pleaded with her to contact Jesus. I begged her to wait patiently for the Lord. Her hour would come. I felt it in my heart. I knew that Jesus never fails. But oh, how many times we prevent his working by our foolish endeavors to do what he alone has power to accomplish. So day after day, her husband and friends carried her to the meetings day after day she sought the face of the lord night after night she picked up her helpless body and placed it before the old wooden bench where prayer was wont to be made the days passed in spirit she climbed the temple steps into the tabernacle of the lord she passed by the altar of surrender and sacrifice and one night she entered into the Holy of Holies what a night it was Sunday healing was not on the program which had been printed by human hands but God works wonders when Jesus of Nazareth passes by and the Holy Spirit can make us rise above our forms our rituals and our plans A beautiful spirit pervaded that Sunday evening service. Down at the altar where she had been carried by her husband, she reclined to pray, for she could not kneel. Then Jesus came. He gave her a vision of himself. She saw him at the end of a road. He smiled. She was conscious of faith flowing like a river, across the fields of her heart before it happened she knew it how or why she couldn't tell but she knew that what had been that there had been a divine infusion of the faith that is the faith of the son of god at that very moment the savior imparted his faith to my heart i turned to the methodist minister on the platform and i said Tonight we shall see the glory of the Lord. We did. As the hand of the Lord was laid upon her, she straightened out. Her shriveled limbs grew to normal size faster than it takes to tell it. She stood to her feet. She walked. No need to be carried now except in the loving arms of Jesus. Down to the foot of the cross streamed sinners to seek a Savior. The building rang with the praises that come from happy hearts, and rafters resounded with the message, Only Jesus, only Jesus, only he can satisfy. Every burden becomes a blessing when I know my Lord is nigh. Now the reason for telling this story is that I want you to see the difference between human effort to believe and the faith that is the gift of God. How much better and more scriptural it is to wait until Jesus of Nazareth passes by and speaks the word of faith to the needy heart than to mistake our belief in healing for the faith which he alone can give. Frankly, the day that first brought the poor, helpless woman for prayer, I was aware of three things. One, I knew she had no faith. Two, I knew I didn't have the faith. And three, I knew that only Jesus had that faith. So quite evidently, our mission was to draw close to Jesus. It is our privilege to take our troubles and our cares to him in prayer. And within our heritage is the right to draw apart from the world into the sacred place of communion where heaven comes down and our souls to greet and glory crowns the mercy seat. That is what we did. We could have set our minds and our wills to work right then and there We could have commanded and exhorted and entreated. She could have struggled to rise as others have done in the power of her will instead of in faith. But no, there is a better and sweeter way. It is God's way. It is the Bible way. It was a long way for the nobleman to walk from Capernaum to Cana, but after he met Jesus... He never regretted his journey. It may be that the trail will be steep over Consecration Mountain and through the valley of the yielded heart. But hope will give strength to our feet as we walk with Jesus in the way. The toils of the road will seem nothing for he and he alone is the giver and imparter of that faith which is able to remove mountains. Let me stop and share quickly with you. He has hinted here at something that is so vital, I can't let it just go by because it was common in his day. It is uncommon in our day. He speaks of that steep and difficult trail over Consecration Mountain, And then he speaks of the valley of the yielded heart, or I would call it the valley of the shadow of death. Now, what do I mean? Simply this. Consecration means I give myself utterly and wholly, completely into the hand of God. It is one thing to say, I have repented of my sin. I'm saved. But intellectually saying that does not make it so. Many of you today, if I were to ask you, are you saved? You would say, of course I'm saved. But that statement does not make it so. What makes it so is having traveled the consecration mountain. And gone through the valley of the shadow of death. So that now your trust and your love for Jesus. Comes out of a heart that is full and overflowing. With the presence of Jesus. We're able to do church today without the presence of Jesus. We can go through our rituals. We can go through all of our church. What do I call it? church calendar we can have our Easter and our Christmas we can have this and that we can do our concerts we can have all manner of programs we can even have Holy Spirit revival meetings scheduled as we choose none of it will get the job done there was another statement here just a moment ago I want to speak about it. I want only Jesus. I want only Jesus. I need Jesus. The faith that I need is where Jesus was passing by on that Jericho road And blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was passing by, and he cried out piteously and loudly for Jesus. And Jesus stopped and said, Bring him to me. Now let me try to say this to you. I'm not quite sure how to say it. I will not be satisfied with Jesus passing by. I need Jesus to come and dwell in me. Full time, all the time. The promise of, of John and the vine is that we can be connected to the vine all the time. the promise of John 17 is that Jesus told the Father that he wanted to dwell in us and he wanted us to dwell in him now please I'm not talking about intellectual stuff I'm not being anti-intellectual but I'm not talking about something that happens intellectually with us I'm talking about The real, the experience, but more than experience, it's the reality of Jesus coming and dwelling within us. Moving in and taking over. And I'm here to tell you today, He will not move into your life as long as your life is filled with junk. He will not come to my life as long as my life is filled with junk. I find myself being irritated when I find myself questioning people motives when I find myself functioning as a servant and not being appreciated I don't have to be somebody just appreciate what I do That's garbage. Has to be taken out and put in the trash. We need Jesus to come. And we need Jesus to come and dwell in us full time. Not part time, full time. All the struggle in our soul needs to be let go of as he comes in. All of our discouragement needs to be repented of for its unbelief. All of our loyalty to the ways of the world and the darkness of of the world must be repented of. He will not come and dwell in the heart of a man who loves the things of this world. He won't do it. It's impossible. So there is the consecration mountain. It's not by works. I'm not talking about legalistic works. I'm talking about finally and fully letting the Holy Spirit have his way full time. I'm talking about a place of of joy and grandeur where the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Father all dwell in us. Where we are given utterly to Jesus. And in our heart, we clearly say, only Jesus. Now I want to share with you This sister's letter and her vocabulary is going to seem strange to us because most of us have not experienced the fullness that she's speaking of. But I can guarantee you once you have that fullness, you will speak like this woman is speaking. So let me share the letter that she wrote to Dr. Charles Price. Laurel Ontario, October 12, 1940 Christian greetings, oh hallelujah, the joy bells are ringing in my heart because of Jesus. As the time draws near to another anniversary of the great miracle performed upon my body, the thoughts and the warmth of my husband's heart and mine go out to you in a very special way. Thank God the blessed Jesus came to us and manifest his power and presence so preciously to us that evening, October 19, 1924. What good measure he gave us. He saved my soul as well as healed my body, using you as his disciple. Truly I was in pitiful condition, was I not, Brother Price? I was in great need, both spiritually and physically. Spiritually, I thought I was saved, but was really sort of on the fence, having too much of the Lord to enjoy the world and too much of the world to have real joy in the Lord. Through your preaching, the full gospel, the real joy of the Lord came into my heart, also my husband's, to abide in, with the assurance that our many sins were washed away in Jesus' cleansing blood. Physically, well, you pretty well know my condition in that respect, as you could see for yourself my helplessness when I was taken into your meetings. Not being able to walk or stand or even let my feet rest on the floor in the usual way when sitting in my chair. Ten long years of helplessness being carried in the arms of my faithful husband with continual suffering. And then Jesus again walked the Jericho road and he came my way in your meeting. And oh yes, you've heard me tell of it so many times, but I want to tell it to you yet once again. The story never becomes stale to my husband or me because you see, it is Jesus. Dear Jesus my heart overflows as i talk to you of it the tears are flowing too for jesus love melts me down in praise and thankfulness before him yes jesus heals six sick bodies today keep on telling the good news brother price for there are so many sick and afflicted ones all about us God's word tells us that Jesus healed the lame, the blind, the lepers, and all manner of diseases when he walked this earth many years ago. And we do know that he does the very same in the days in which we live. His flower has not lessened. Those bleeding, healing stripes he bore at Calvary are just as efficacious now as then. Thank God saturday october 19 1924 jesus put me upon my helpless feet and enabled me to walk without an ache or pain and sent me on my way rejoicing and truly my husband and i have been rejoicing ever since in jesus 16 years of health and strength and activity oh i've had some bad tests in my body during those years I broke a bone, different trials of faith, but I want to tell you that once again, even though you so well know it, the promises of God hold fast and sure. Our God gets all the glory, for neither my husband nor I have ever used the slightest remedy of any kind since Jesus so undertook for us where we found the great healer, in those gospel meetings. In thankfulness and praise to Jesus, we again wish to thank you, Brother Price, for the part you had in the great work. Like Paul, you were not disobedient to the heavenly vision, for you did not compromise in any way, but declared the whole truth, not leaving out that Jesus heals the sick today. My husband and I are so well in body. All glory and praise to Jesus, our physician. We continue to pray for you. May you ever be guided by the Holy Spirit and anointed from above for even greater service than in Paris years to proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now the Holy Spirit, warms me as i write and the power of god thrills and fills me hallelujah jesus lives how do we know thank god because he lives within cordial christian love to you all from your ever thankful friends in jesus brother and sister johnson He writes, I believe there is a difference between the faith of the Old Testament under the law and the faith of the New Testament under grace. The key word of Paul's epistle to the Hebrews is better. And this is particularly interesting in the light of the fifth chapter of this remarkable letter. He is trying to get them to see the truth of Christianity by contrast. He does not abrogate the past, but shows them that Christianity grew out of Judaism just as the flower grows out of the root. Hidden away in the ritual of the root was the color, the fragrance, and the beauty of the flower of grace that was to come later. Was not the flower better than the root? Was not the end better than the beginning? Was not the blood of Jesus better than the blood of the Lamb on Jewish altars slain? Was not Jesus better than the angels who had visited their fathers from time to time in memorable days of their national history? Was not the voice of God's Son better than the voice of the prophets? This then was the heart throb of the epistle. When he comes to the fifth chapter, Is there any reason for his departure from the purpose of the letter and the motive of the epistle? I think not. The theme is still better, and the purpose is to show the beauty of the faith of Jesus in comparison to those works and words of the patriarchs and prophets which were counted unto them as faith. It was the faith of that day. It was the faith for that time. Remember that Paul closes that fifth chapter with the words, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. In other words, the acts and testimonies of the ancients were held up like pictures in a gallery for the Christian Jews to behold and admire. There was the story of Abel and Enoch Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob. They were all framed in a picture of obedience to the divine word. Then there came Moses and Joshua, followed by a grand parade of the illustrious of the day of old, before Jesus was born in the stable of Bethlehem. But Jesus was born now, and now and now here in the entire epistle, does Paul tell them or us, and nowhere in the entire epistle does paul tell them or us that our faith today should be limited in its pattern working or operation to the faith of our fathers instead he tells us something better is here he introduces the flower which has grown out of the root faith in the old days was manifest by word and deed in obedience to command, But there was more. The word and the deed are only a part and a small one at that of what the New Testament teaches us that faith really is. Of course, there will be work. There will be testimony. But that alone is not faith, not New Testament faith at any rate. In this connection, it's interesting to note that if you turn back to the Old Testament account of the lives of men and women introduced in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the word of faith is never mentioned in connection with their lives at all. The word faith occurs in the Old Testament only twice. And in one of those instances, it is prophetic. And in the other, it is used in a negative way regarding the unbelief of wicked generations. The two passages are Deuteronomy 32.20 and Habakkuk 2.4. So we must come then to the unmistakable conclusion that Paul is not holding up the lives of the patriarchs as a pattern for them to follow, but rather as an excellent beginning in God's will of something more wonderful which they were to discover in Jesus. The faith that they were to possess was all their fathers had and more. Seeing that they were surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, they too were to lay aside weights and sins and run with patience the new race which was set before them. They were to do what? Look to Jesus, who was the author and finisher of their faith. If he was the author and the finisher of the faith, and the faith of Paul, then he is the author and finisher of my faith too. In other words, all true faith begins and ends in Jesus. It does not say that he is the author and finisher of his faith alone. It states that he is the author and finisher of my faith and yours. Now, there is nothing before Alpha. And there is nothing after Omega. Jesus begins it. And it begins in him. He ends it and it ends in him. When I want it, I must seek his face. I cannot get faith anywhere else but from the matchless one of whom it is said he is the author and finisher of our faith, not of his alone, but of yours and mine. We have made the mistake, after looking at the 11th chapter of Hebrews, and seeing what they did of rolling up our sleeves to show and prove our faith by what we do. Have you ever done that? If you have, then you have stood in bewilderment at what seemed to be unanswered prayer, inoperative power of what you thought was faith. Remember that faith acts, but the acts comes from the faith rather than the faith from the act let me say that again remember that faith acts but the act comes from the faith rather than the faith from the act he doesn't say this here but all of us in this modern time have heard the saying fake it till you make it that's flesh That's not biblical faith. It's foolishness. He writes in Victoria. Some years ago, I was entering the Metropolitan Methodist Church in company with a few pastors. At the door of the edifice, we saw a kindly old lady being taken out of a truck in a wheelchair. I raised my hat and gave her, God bless you, "'Tears welled up in her eyes as she replied, "'He has been blessing me, Dr. Price. "'He is so kind and gracious, "'and I can feel his presence now with me. "'Have you come for healing?' I inquired. "'Yes, I have,' she replied. "'And praise his name, I know the waters are troubled.' "'Just then the truck driver leaned over and said, "'Shall I come back, lady, to take you home after the service?' she traveled many miles. The only way to get her home in a wheelchair was by truck, for the chair was too large for an automobile. She hesitated, and then a light came over her face as she replied, No, I'm not going to need a truck. I'll leave my wheelchair behind and go home on the train. The driver scratched his bewildered head, Then he grinned at her, at what he thought was a foolish woman, and away he drove. And she did not need him. She went to her house rejoicing, and she went home on the train. I told that story in a meeting I conducted in the Middle West. The next day, a lady sent a message that she would like to see me for a moment at her cottage. I found her lying on a couch with a group of people around her who were singing a hymn. She looked up at me and said, Brother Price, I've sent the wheelchair home. She waited for a shout of joy from me. None came. Instead, my heart fell. There was no faith, and I knew it. She discerned I did not enthuse over her words. So she turned away from me and said, If God can do it for one woman, He can do it for another. When I left the building that night, she was right again, the center of a group who were insisting that she arise and walk, but she went away sorrowful. Of her, the Lord could say, there is one thing thou lackest. The two acts were just the same. Two wheelchairs were sent home. In one case, it was faith, in the other, it was presumption. In New Testament faith, the act can be born of faith, but faith cannot be born of the act. The act comes from faith, but faith must come from God. This, then, is the better way of Paul's epistle to the Hebrews. This is the purpose and the motive back of what we call the faith chapter of the book. Have you not stood in amazement before the unfolding benevolence, and generosity of the Lord. Do you not know that no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? So you have a desperate need. Take it to Jesus. You have a problem. Lay it at the Master's feet. Begin to trust him. And as you give him your confidence and trust, you will find his faith will become operative in you. Why play with the teacup of our struggles and endeavors when his faith is as boundless as the oceans? He's no respecter of persons. He loves the weakest and the simplest of us, but we become so important in our own eyes and so proud of our spiritual accomplishments that our testimonies display only the righteousness which is made up of the vanity of self. He looks at it. The righteousness, which is filthy rags. We need to come in the guileless spirit of little children. Come with bells of love, pealing in the belfry of our hearts. It is useless to wait until we feel we are worthy, for that will never come. Come as a little child, to the one who in the days of old set a little one in the midst of them and said to the Pharisees, except you become a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Steal away softly to Jesus. Steal away softly to Jesus. In this day of grace, the faith for the Christian can be found Only in Jesus. But in our blessed Lord, you will find sufficient for all you need. What Noah had was good, but what we have is better. Noah had God's word. We have God's son. Noah built on God's word, but our foundation is Jesus himself. So we find it in the whole of that remarkable chapter a recitation of God's glory manifest in the acts of man who believed God and who walked the walk of obedience with him. One of them, named Enoch, went with a walk, went for a walk with him one day. He forgot to come back. When the faith which is of God came to earth in the form of the Son of God. Paul was constrained to say in Hebrews, that was of old faith, but here is the new. That was the good way, but this is the better way. I have one more part I'd like to share with you today. I'm checking the time to see. I think I have time. I have been reading The Life of George Mueller. Pastor Charles Parsons tells of an experience with Mueller in the following words. A warm, warm summer day found me walking slowly up the shady groves of Ashley Hill, Bristol. At the top there met me, there met my gaze the immense buildings which shelter over 2,000 orphans built by a man who had given the world the most striking object lesson in faith it has ever seen? The first house is on the right, and here among his own people, unpretentious apartments, lives a saintly patriarch, George Mueller. Passing through the lodge gate, I paused a moment to look at house number three before me, only one of five erected at a cost of $600,000. The bell answered by an orphan who conducts me to a lofty stone staircase and into one of the private rooms of the venerable founder, Mr. Mueller. He is now the remarkable age of ninety-two. As I stand in his presence, veneration fills my mind. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man. Leviticus 19:32 he received me with a cordial handshake and bade me welcome. It's something to see a man by whom God has accomplished a mighty work. It is more to hear the tones of his voice, far more than either to be brought into Im- immediate contact with his spirit and feel the warm breath of his soul breathed into my own. The communion of that hour will be forever graven in my memory. I have read your life, Mr. Mueller, and I noticed how greatly at times your faith has been tried. It is with you now as formally. Is it with you now as formally? Most of the time he leaned forward, his gaze directed on the floor, but now he sat erect and looked for several moments in my face with an earnestness that seemed to penetrate my very soul. There was grandeur and majesty about those undimmed eyes, so accustomed to spiritual visions, to looking into the deep things of God. I don't know whether the question seemed a sordid one or whether it touched a lingering remnant of the old self to which he alludes in his discourses. Anyhow, there was no shadow of doubt that it roused his whole being, And after a brief pause, during which his face was a sermon, and the depths of his clear eyes flashed fire, he unbuttoned his coat and drew from his pocket an old-fashioned purse with rings in the middle, separating the character of the coins. He placed it in my hand, saying, All I am possessed of is in that purse, every penny, Save for myself? Never. When money is sent to me for my own use, I pass it on to God, as much as a thousand pounds have been sent at one time. But I do not regard these gifts as belonging to me. They belong to Him, whose I am, and whom I serve. Save for myself? I dare not. It would dishonor my loving, gracious, all-bountiful Father. The great point is never to give up until the answer comes. I want you to hear that again. The great point is never to give up until the answer comes. I've been praying for 50 years, every day for two men, sons of a friend of my youth. They are not converted yet, but will be. How can it be otherwise? There is the unchanging promise of Jehovah and on that I rest. The great fault of the children of God is that they do not continue in prayer. They do not persevere. If they desire anything for God's glory, they should pray until they get it. Oh, how good, kind and gracious and condescending is the one with whom we have to do. He has given me Unworthy as I am, immeasurably above all that I ask or thought, I am only a poor, frail, sinful man, but he has heard my prayers tens of thousands of times and used me as the means of bringing tens of thousands into the way of truth. I say tens of thousands in this and other lands. These unworthy lips have proclaimed salvation to great multitudes and very many have believed into eternal life. Thus spoke George Muller. Thus spoke a man of our time, for it was in Bristol as a boy where Muller was yet alive. Thus spake a man who has learned the lesson that waters come from the fountain and the flowers come from the root. He had learned that the faith of God comes only from God, and with nowhere else could it be found. He learned that he who is so free in the grace of giving would teach his disciples how to be efficient in the grace of receiving. When he needed money, he went not to man. He went to Christ, who had the power to speak to the heart of the man who had the money. His faith came because of his daily vital contact with his Lord. And being in the will of God, he was given more than enough for every need. Well, we're out of time for today. I want you to go to Jesus. I want you to learn to trust him. Acquaint him with your need. Tell him of your sorrows. Then in the sanctuary of his presence, you will find rest and freedom from the noise and worries which beset you from without and from within. It's true. And I want more than life itself for Jesus to come and abide forever in my heart does he visit me yes does he answer my prayers yes that's why we're still on the radio I pray for the resources that we might stay on this broadcast that we could even go to the FM but I need him to come and live in me only Jesus has the answers Only Jesus has the answers. One dear woman spoke with me last night. She needs a place to live. She needs so much. She's so troubled, agony of heart. I said to her, Dear sister, let's pray. Let's go to Jesus. He has the answer. I don't care what your situation is today. Go to Jesus. Tell him about it. He will come if you will wait on him. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, and there's much there for you. It's nationalprayerchapel.com. Just nationalprayerchapel.com. One word, nationalprayerchapel.com. My dear brother and my sister, only Jesus. Do you need something? Go to Jesus. Do you need your heart or your body healed? Go to Jesus. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.
0: Before the of His glory, with great joy.